So I kind of I'm kind of hearing three categories of questions. Um, I'm sure there's there's more too, and some that don't fit in, but we'll just kind of start the conversation there. Sort of hearing a, a category about um, how our hearts relate to all this, like how do we find joy in it, how do we stick with it, how do we not quit, you know, all that like that kind of stuff. Uh, I hear a lot of questions about how do we be effective in this? What's our strategy? Uh, how to do it well? Whether that's it could be in any of those categories, right? How do we be effective in a political situation which is polarized? How do we build relationships in a social situation which is gentrified and, um, and segregated uh, by, by socioeconomic class, as it does? Um, and then I, th I think we've had a number of questions, too, on how doing justice relates to our faith in a public sense, so related to evangelism. Like what's our view? Um, so those are the three categories I heard. Did you want to add anything to those three? Do you feel like there was another category that any of you heard that we could, or otherwise I think that could be a good guide to our conversation. But anybody want to modify or add anything to that? Okay, so uh, we'll, why don't we just have mini conversations based on each one and encourage, I just encourage you to jump in uh, and share if you, you find it's helpful. Uh, I don't want this to be a monologue on my part. Okay, those are your questions. No, I'll dispense answers. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard to participate with like 40 people. Um, so, but I'm sure you're all very, very socially adept and can sort of appropriately step in and you know, use your voice well. So you guys are great. Um, I think that the, it's really important to start with the heart uh, and all the, all the questions about... Um, like, I really like the way it was phrased, like, how can justice be joyful but not optional? Because right? you hear, like, Isaiah 58, and you're like, wow, this is, like, obligatory. God is really, like, God doesn't want the kind of worship that doesn't include justice. Like, that's what he said, right? That's what he said. So you have to do it. And it's easy to then um, make use of a sort of guilt, guilt tactic, right? Like make people, I mean, it's very easy to do because the suffering in the world is so bad, right? So it would be very easy for me to stand up and tell stories about all the people who are suffering and have experienced injustice and, you know, say, like, you privileged people, like, how can you sit by while all this happens? And, like, so one strategy could be, like, Pastor Andrew just preaches guilt-based sermons every week, <laughs> right? Amen, brother, right? You just fire, if you're a real Christian, you do this, and you're just every week, and for years, you'll just, like, he'll just beat you down, and bad idea. I've never seen somebody um, really serve in a sustainable way in justice ministry um, if it's not from a place of grace, for sure. And I think the, the best biblical definition of grace, uh, the word charis, what it really means is God's free gift of life-giving power. And so that's true the moment you experience salvation, you believe in Jesus and you're saved and you're delivered from sin and death. But it's also true throughout our lives too. So I think there's this grace that God gives each one of us if we're open to it, to actually want to do justice. And so I would say if you don't want it, you're not going to do it. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, so there's, a, there's a way in which you actually cultivate uh, the desire and you ask God to give you the desire, um, for sure. And in a sense, you wait for it and you follow that grace when you see it's there. That's why I'm so glad that um, justice is as broad as it is, right? Because God might give you grace in a financial way that God's not giving you grace in a political way, right? Now, that doesn't mean you can just sort of... Like, for example, I don't think you can just check out of the relational thing. Like, well, I just don't like people, so whatever. I'll just give them money. Um, because there's a way in which we all need to do a little bit of all of them, right? If you don't actually know the people you're serving, it's likely that you'll be encountering them and acting on their behalf in a very paternalistic, arrogant way, right? If, if you're present to people and you're in solidarity with them, that helps keep you humble. It helps, it helps you question some of the... The, the perspectives that you have without really knowing people's... You've never walked in their shoes. You don't really know. But it's easy for us to feel we do. So I think, you know, having relationships across class or across situation, it really helps. Even if, frankly, that's not your... That's not your cup of tea. That's not where you experience the most grace. Thanks. So I think there are ways that it really does... You know, all these things matter. Um, I think there are sort of political implications... Uh, for things, even if your main calling is just re is relationship, right? You're like, man, I just want to be with people. I'm just like 
hanging out with uh, refugees from Burma or whatever. But I think actually history shows that as Christians get involved relationally with people who are marginalized, those broader structural issues, those, those political issues, they become unavoidable. And so I would say, you know, be careful if you build relationships because you might see some things you haven't seen. And it might kind of draw you in. So there's some sort of synergy. Um, so just to say, like, there is, there's a connection. But, um, but as we identify things that maybe we feel personally called to, um, or that small groups of us in CLC feel called to band together and begin to do something, I think that really has to be by grace. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't... Uh, that, that grace doesn't need to be cultivated because it really does. And being at a retreat like this, hopefully, I, I really hope this is a space for grace, just talking about it together. It can reawaken, right? So you can't be limited by your lack of, uh, your lack of excitedness or joy. But what you can do is notice that that's a, that's a barometer that's indicating something. That actually indicates like it's time to go back and like seek some grace again and see where that's kind of leading us, right? And so I think one way is certainly through prayer, uh, because God's heart is for justice, that as you pray, God gives you that heart directly. I think another part is just through, through um, personal experience with people who are experiencing injustice. And I think another thing is to, to purposely choose to learn about people who are experiencing injustice. So like, what kind of movies are you watching? Like, what kind of, um, what kind of news are you learning? You know, what, what, what kind of... What, what news are you taking in? and what are you, How are you learning in that kind of way? I think there's almost a media kind of discipleship. Right? If God cares about justice, then are we spending time as we consume media, as we read the news, as we choose what we are watching? Are we, are we turning away because that just feels hard? Or are we opening our hearts to that? Um, it could be interpersonally, but it also can just be like learning about who lives around us even intellectually, right? Um, so I think there are certainly ways to cultivate. And then finally, when it comes to kind of heart issues, I really think what you have right here is the most valuable thing. Um, because frankly, it's really fun to do this kind of stuff together. You know, it's really fun to get together and to have a group of people and be like, oh, you guys care about this issue too? Like, you have the grace too? Um, and that's why, like, I mean, I love coming here this weekend because this, to sense that, like, a lot of people in this church have the grace and, like, we're partners in the body of Christ here. Like, wow, that's so fun for me. Like, I would rather do this than many other fun things that could cost me money. Because I just feel the grace in it, right? And so I hope, and so my whole church's strategy around this, uh, which we've had limited, you know, we've had uh, hits and misses, varied success. But in our small, like, we're building small groups uh, that in some cases are built around justice issues that people have grace for. So we have one small group that really cares about mass incarceration. So they've studied that issue. They see that the U.S. incarcerates so many more people than any other developed country. They want to do something about it. And so they said, all right, we're going to meet every week for two hours, and we're going to figure this out. And they began to, um, to get to know uh, a ministry in East Oakland called Men of Valor, uh, which is run by a big black church called Acts Full Gospel. It's one of the most impressive churches in the East Bay. And they have like 200... This is all men in this case, coming out of incarceration, living on International Avenue in deep East Oakland, getting jobs, going to devotions every morning, figuring out how to stay clean and sober. And that small group, just they would just, they play games. They go over there and they play games with folks. They would show up to the devotions every morning at 7 a.m. And just for a year, they just built relationship, right? And in, in, not in a paternalistic way, but they didn't come with their agenda. They're just like, yeah, let's just do that. And just got to know them, did a Thanksgiving meal, whatever. Gradually, um, you know, they be, the folks began to talk about the need for like a GED or further education. And so we got to, we got to know this uh, organization in West Oakland called Next Step Learning Center that does really great adult education. And so we drive people there because it's just, it's hard to get there on the public. And then we talk, we get to know folks as they're, they're driving there. Every Wednesday I go do this. Um, we tutor folks in the evening to supplement the, the kind of education. Um, and we continue to build relationship through a small group. That's like seven people that kind of did that. And they're, they're inviting in others in our church to like volunteer once a week. But one group of seven people, they're doing that. You know, so I think it, and it's really fun. It's really like, it's really doable. Um, 
for a long time, there was, for a whole year, there was a group of us that were in a political advocacy life group um, where we just figured out, we tried to discern, like, what issues could God be calling our congregation to be involved in in a political way? And uh, those relationships we built, and, you know, the election was a big example for us. We do have, like, in our, in our church, we, we've kind of focused on um, educational equity, you know, the fact that educational outcomes are really different depending on your neighborhood, um, which is why we all want to buy houses in neighborhoods with good schools. Like, we all get that, right? Like, would you buy a house over here? Like, no. Like, why did I not buy a school? Uh, why did I not buy a house with an Oakland, with a failing Oakland middle school for my kid? Educational equity. Like, we know this. So our church, like, cares about that. Um, we care about mass incarceration. We care about immigration reform. We feel like all those have a really strong biblical base. And so it was really fun to get together and try to figure out how do we, how do, we do this. Now, I don't think we were effective, and we'll get to that, but it was joyful, and we had grace. You know? So those are just a couple of groups we have. You know, I could go into the, the kind of group thing. But I think that um, part of the answer to that heart question is like really sitting here, right here in this room. The other thing I would say about that is justice is really complex. And we have different callings and different perspectives for sure. But the great thing is we don't have to agree on everything, every single thing. Right? There might be a subset of seven or eight of you who do see something one way. And the, the overall church can affirm that and, and um, can sort of get behind it, but you're not going to drive it. So we don't have to like sit down and talk about every single controversial political issue in the world. And we can never do anything until we agree on everything. No, we can sort of find consensus on some things and have pockets that really move forward, um, if that makes sense. And so I think all of those things help to, uh, help to return us to grace and to help us to do it together. Uh, so any other thoughts, comments, or questions on the idea of like, how do we, how do we bring our hearts into this? How do we do this sustainably um, with our hearts? The focus of what we're talking about today, justice in the day-to-day when we encounter people or at the church, CLC. Um, I'm interested in both. Yeah. So, um, uh, but the questions I'm hearing is more as an organization. I think you're right. It's, it's, that's what I'm hearing too. And I, I think you're right that it's both really, really important. Like us as individuals are giving our money, we're out there inter- interacting with people. But it feels like this is a pretty special moment that we have to talk about as a community, what could that look like? So let's keep the door open. But I would agree with you that probably uh, most questions are more focused on the, the how would we do it together? How would you do it together? Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, thanks for creating space for both kinds. Um, okay, well, the, yeah, go ahead. So, so Gary, I, I had asked you, and it was it was kind of my my own journey. Yeah. Like, like if I'm more, um, if I sort of feel like there was a time for me mm. when I was way more into justice, yeah. and and now I mean, you know, married with three kids, and yeah. then, you know, whatever. It's 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 just harder. Mm. But what I'm sort of hearing from you and what you had just said is that. We need to intentionally plug into some kind of structure where we're going to be exposed to this more often. Yes, right? precisely. Right? You're exposed more often, you learn more about it, you pray more about it, you hear more about it, you care more about it, your yep. heart's more into it, and that will actually sustain justice for the longer term. That's kind of what, I, what I'm hearing from what you said. Precisely. I think grace is catching, caring about justice is catching. So if you make... If you try to divide it up into a, a, a bunch of little micro decisions, like I'm going to be a justice person, it's going to be hard. But if you make a macro decision, like I'm going to join a group that talks about this, yeah. other people who are energized, you're going to stay energized. Yeah. So I think one, one clear takeaway is if you want to sustain, then how do you gather a couple other people or 10 other people or whatever it is um, and regularly make it part of what you do? Okay. Yeah. I, honestly, I've never seen it happen without that. Dynamic. Yeah. You just it just drops off. Yeah. yeah it, you can't do it on your own. Yeah. And that's why what a beautiful, valuable resource like all all of you are to each other. I think the last thing I would say in this area is like r- directly related to Pastor Andrew's question. Um, 
I'm really into effective giving and figuring out like how do you give to maximize kingdom impact, right? I don't just want to give with my emotions. And I think I'm probably somewhat unique in, in this way. Like most people want to give with their emotions and they follow wherever their heart leads them. And I'm like, man, I want to, I want to impact the world. I don't care what my emotions say. I'm going to do, it's not about me. I want to do whatever's going to make the maximum impact, really going to change things. Um, so wherever you are in that continuum, I think one of the things you can do is once you've figured out a place to give effectively, to then um, make a choice to pull your emotions in. You know, whether that's, like, say you, like, I realize that one of the most effective ways to, um, you know, honestly, like, one of the most, like, the reason I gave to Association, uh, Association for a More Just Society, falling in between the English and Spanish there, <laughs> is because I lived with some Hondurans, you know, in Denver. Like, the main guy that worked in our community garden was Honduran, would tell us how beautiful Honduras was and all that stuff. And I remember just feeling like, yeah, I know what happens in Honduras, you know. Um, but I find that now I'm not around any Hondurans. So I have to, like, actually work to, like, read up on Honduras, like, watch movies about immigrants, like, go to East Oakland and find, you know, Central American neighbors and just remind myself. Like, my, my brain is, is uh, it's, it hasn't changed. Like, I believe that's the most effective place to give. But my heart sort of lags, you know? So I think there's a way I need to use my will to bring my emotions along to really do what my head is telling me is right in the first place. Right? So sometimes making choices to bring your emotions along um, can be key to keep, because it's just natural that you would be like, yeah, it's automatic deposit, whatever. You, you, you have to cultivate your emotions as well. That's part of grace. Before going to the next question, um, just from your experience, how do you supervise it? Because mm-hmm. the example you mentioned, it's kind of like, I don't want to say grassroots, yeah. but I think there must also be some level of supervision or like kind of guiding facilitating. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a good question. I think that gets us into the effectiveness sort of strategy side of things. So that's <coughs> an excellent um, segue. And I need to be careful to not step on, you know, Pastor Andrew and the other leadership's toes here because, I'm, you know, they're going to lead however they want to lead. Um, all I can say is what I've seen in, in various churches is that um, I think one approach is to sort of define a big justice issue and then try to pull everybody along, right? Like our church cares about educational equity, um, so let's all do that thing. Uh, that can be good because then there's a big focus for sure. Right? And we can use our different gifts in different ways. We don't all have to be teachers or tutors or whatever. But I think the, the danger there is that um, there might be things that other people really care about, too. That people, I mean, you might get like 40% of your congregation that are like, oh, I'm just not that excited about it. Like, okay, I'll go along because the community is doing it. But it might not be sustainable because it's just not their thing, right? So there, that's the danger of focusing just on one thing. On the other hand, there are sort of, I've seen communities that are just like, hey, whatever anybody wants to do, that's great. Let a thousand flowers bloom, whatever, you know, and all just like, well, I'll do, you guys do that thing. And there's no leadership, there's no strategy. Um, and those, ten, those things tend to just die off in bunches. And, uh, and then like a couple people asked, like how th- those do turn into like one time unsustainable occurrences, which may do more harm than good, right? Because you didn't actually count the cost and plan and figure out, like, can we really do this in the long term and not move forward unless we can sustain it for X amount of time. So that's why, I mean, I think a sweet spot is really choosing just a few. And I think you really did that with your kingdom fund, right? Like, how many, like, organizations are in that kingdom fund? It, it was an incredible amount over, like, um, six years. Yeah. So I think we did choose one of the four categories, which is economic. Right. But then it was also really decentralized and saying, Choose any kingdom cause outside of our church and yeah. match you in there. Okay. So yeah. it was focused, but it was also very right. various. So I did that in my church too, because I again I was copying you. And I, I <laughs> and so and it was me, I had to do it because we didn't have an administrator at the time. Like I'm writing out like seventeen different checks. And I feel like for us, like that impact was so diffuse. Like we didn't even really know where we was we were going, right? It's just like everything. So what we finally decided to do, I don't know why three seems to be like, I don't know, it's the Trinity or something, but <laughs> what we've actually modified is we've actually said the top three organizations, we've matched those. 
Because then everyone in our church can say what those three are, and they can be excited about it. So it's still grassroots, but it's also sort of curated a little bit. Um, and we actually do the same thing. Like I could name, I just named our three political issues. Um, and, and it's because through a process of like talking together and figuring out what people were excited about and also figuring out what we could agree on. Because let's be really honest, like we disagree politically. Like our church does, I bet your church does, I don't even know. Um, but I, and so I think it's important to try to find consensus. Um, that's not just one thing and not just, it could be anything, but try to find a few things and then people can find their way within sort of one of those three things is what I can imagine. And that's just, I've seen that working. I don't know whether that would work at your church, but that's sort of um, what I've seen. Uh, along, related to this, I think uh, a political, I think there's a really important political concept for churches that I want to share with you, I think where it makes sense, effective, effectiveness regarding this. Because not all political issues are appropriate for, well, let me put it this way. Some political issues should be, uh, the church should serve as a forum for, and some political issues the church should serve as a platform. So let me give you two obvious examples. Uh, I've been studying Dietrich Bonhoeffer a lot lately, um, you know, who really stood up to the Nazis as a, one of the few German Christians to really stand up to the Nazis in the Confessing Church. That was, a, that was an obvious political example of how um, the church failed to be a platform and to stand up against Hitler. Right? I think we'd all agree that the church, if, if Hitler arose in the United States, the church should stand up with one voice and say, this is not Christian, we stand against that, right? That's obvious, right? The church should be a platform. The problem is it's not always that easy, right? There are a lot of issues um, in which good Christians can really disagree, even if we care about the poor. Like uh, at one point in our church, um, we were disagreeing about the, like, uh, Berkeley's, like, raising the minimum wage to, like, $15, right? Um, and in our church, we really disagreed on that. Um, you know, and we both, it's both people who equally cared about the poor. Some people said, hey, if you raise the minimum wage to $15, that's great. People have a living wage. If you care about the poor, you should support it. Other people said, actually, that's going to cut back on jobs because, for, because companies just aren't going to hire at that rate. So you're actually going to make it worse for people. There'll be more unemployment. Now, in that case, the church should be a forum. The church should create a space to talk humbly and honestly about, like, we really care about working class poverty in the East Bay. Like, hey, what do we think about this issue? And I think that is, and so that's getting to, I think, to the question that, that a couple of us have asked, is how do we create space in a polarized environment? I think um, a, a space that's a genuine forum in which we're seeking truth together in a way that's humble and really hearing from each other uh, is a very, very valuable space. And frankly, I think it's radical and countercultural because so much of our discourse is so hate-based and polarized. So what if Christians could come together and say, like, we can agree, Isaiah 58, God cares for the poor. God cares about justice. All right, how is that manifest? What should we vote on this issue? I think that relates to your candidate question issue too, right? That's even more complex because there is no Jesus candidate out there. <laughs> Jesus is not running for any political office. So it's always going to be the least, the least bad choice. When I lived in Costa Rica, there was actually a candidate who said, yo soy lo menos mal. Like, I am the least bad candidate. <laughs> and he lost. But he was very biblical, right? Um, Martin Luther, I don't, is, I don't know how he said this, but because there were, they weren't voting at the time, but he said something like, we should always vote with sorrow, right? We should never be captive to any political party because any political party will always fall short of the kingdom, right? That doesn't mean that there aren't important choices to be made in candidates, but it just probably means that short of Hitler, um, the church should probably be a forum for that and create space to, to do that kind. However, I think there are really issues um, that the church can decide, like, I think this is a biblical issue and we should step into this. Um, you know, for us, immigration reform is a really, that was an easy one for us. I don't know if you would agree on that. I don't want to start any arguments. This is not a, this is not a platform or forum right now. But for us, we all really agree that our immigration system is broken, that there's so many passages in the Bible about God's concern for the foreigner and the immigrant, and so we're going to agree on that, and we're going to work on it. And, we're, and we, 
And we did it in many ways. Like one of the things we did is there were, we got to know some Afghan refugees. Um, and many times the women can't work because they don't speak the language or you know, the culture doesn't allow them to. So um, we, we employed uh, some of the women who cook really, really delicious Afghan food. And we paid like $30 a head for them to cook these massive, amazing meals for us. So we just feasted together and we created a job for these like Afghan families, right? Um, as I said, we also try to work on immigration reform. I don't know how to do that now. If you know how to tell me because it, just se it seems like it's not going anywhere. But as soon as we would find some open space to do, to work on immigration reform, we would be part of that. Um, so I think when it comes to the political side of things, effective, the very first step in effectiveness is figure out when things should be a platform, when they should be a forum, and then create the appropriate spaces. For us around the election, it felt really appropriate to say like, we're not telling you how to vote, but we're giving our best opinion as far as we can, and it's up to your own conscience what you vote. You're, yeah, but, but there's a lot of value add in that conversation that we wouldn't otherwise have if we just had to figure it out on our own. And I think we also call each other to vote not just in our own self-interest, which is radical as it is, right? Just coming together and saying, how does this political issue impact the poor? That's already radical. Because we're trained to vote in our own self-interest. And so for the church to come around and, and flip the script, even if we ultimately disagree, we've already um, had an important and impressive kingdom witness. I think um, I'm, I'm really grateful that there's more and more conversation about sustainability and effectiveness in justice. And I think this is another way that um, your church is a real gift to the body of Christ, just because God has given you so many different kinds of professional skills, abilities and critical thinking, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think for you to come together, say God gives you, step one, God gives you grace for something. God gives you a passion and a joy or even a fierceness to like combat some kind of injustice. Uh, I would imagine that, that your first response would be to think critically about it, to begin to study it. Right? You wouldn't be the kind of church that would like shoot first and ask questions later. Right? You would, your problem would probably be more like my problem, which would be paralysis of analysis. <laughs> right? like, you haven't figured it all out yet, so you'll never do anything. So that'll be your challenge. So do your study group. You know, your small group gets together. But give yourself some kind of deadline where you'll at least try something. Uh, but I think the question is too broad. It depends on the particular case. But I just want to say, I think... You know, like the very first commandment is to love the Lord your God with your mind. You know, love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, um, so to, to use that and to do that is not only fun, um, but the, I think God really sort of affirms that effectiveness. Um, so is there, is there more to say that you want to comment on or any follow-up questions you want to ask on the effectiveness side of things? I, I want to get to the evangelism thing in our time as well. So, do you have any suggestions for groups that fall in the paralysis analysis group? How to get us out of that to spur us into action? Yeah, there's a uh, there's a book who uh, used it in seminary whose title I can't recall, but it was uh, you guys know the river in um, in San Jose. Yeah. That church Brad Wong is a pastor there. So this this guy used to be a pastor at at, at the river, and he's since gone on to. Um, to uh, work for IJM, and he, he kind of helps churches get involved in justice. So he's written a book. I can send you the link. I mean, whenever I do talks, I send out links. Um, but he's written a pretty good book on how to go through the different stages. And, and basically, the quick summary is to make it a stage in your journey. Right? So make sure you're doing praxis in the sense that there's action and reflection, uh, that you're, you're, and you're, like, you're learning, but then you're willing to step out somewhere. So you just kind of build it into your model from the beginning. You're like, all right, we're going to study for a semester, and then we're going to just we're going to do something. We're going to take a step, even if it's small. So you have to, um, I think you have to anticipate and then kind of step in from there. Yeah. So anything else on the effectiveness strategy side of things? Of those four categories, um, the one that always is a difficult one is the effectiveness of political action. Yeah. And I, and I know you don't, you kind of hinted if you knew the answer, you would probably be yeah. like your official. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and my friends and I have family members who are politically active, 
it's pretty, that's one of the hardest ones to measure effectively. Because mm -hmm. the. I could hear what you say. Well, speaking honestly, politically, because yeah. you mentioned it this morning and when we're talking about social injustice, it's yeah. about power and privilege. It is. And the powers to be in the political realm yeah. are daunting. I know, yeah. And so, how do you measure effectiveness against a beast? Right. Right. But politically, that's the animal that is really, and it's necessary. Yeah. I think true change is systemic. Yeah. But governments and politics and Agreed. the right. power privileged people, yeah. the corporate people, right. to control them. It is, it's really high risk and high reward, and it tends to be sort of binary. Like, did immigration reform pass or not? It didn't. Oh, we wasted our time. Um, and I think if you allow the binary nature of a lot of political advocacy, like, oh, our candidate lost, you know, or Hitler remained in power, you know, whatever. Um, I think, so I think you have to not judge it that way. Because I think there is an aspect, and this actually leads us into the, the evangelism side of things. I think there's an important public witness factor as well. Even if you don't win, I think the fact that in the public sphere that people saw that Christians were standing up for immigrants in some way. Again, I'm just using our, the thing that we came to consensus on. Um, that was really important to us. You know, is it really important that I went to uh, Washington, D.C. and we talked to our representative and that we marched in public and said Christians care about this? And again, it didn't go anywhere. Like, that, that was like the death, like, I think it was only months after we did that, that the idea of bipartisan immigration reform just seemed like an impossibility. And who knows, it might come back up again. When um, British Christians fought to end slavery in the late, uh, the late 17th and early 19th century, it took them 30 years. You know, and uh, when the, the French Revolution happened in 1789 you know, and all that, um, it was such a toxic political environment that, that that uh, ending slavery had to be put on the shelf for almost a decade, you know? And so I think there are sort of seasons where things don't really happen, uh, but it feels really important if you feel like this is an issue of Christian conviction for the church to be out there saying like, Jesus cares about the immigrant. We might disagree on what the laws are, but to say, hey, Christians care and we want to be known for that. I think that's always a win, right? So that, um, so that, it's true, like, will you win your particular battle? Maybe not, but part of the war is, like, standing up for the right side. Like, one of the reasons I'm studying, like, Dietrich Bonhoeffer did not win. Like, the confessing church failed. They were never the majority in, uh, in Germany, and he was murdered in prison by the Nazi regime. He failed. But did he? Like, I think he's still sort of, uh, and we could go through any number of Christians who have stood up for the right side even politically speaking. And what they've done is they've glorified Jesus because they, they've stood up for justice and righteousness and they've revealed to the world that God is a God of justice. And so that's a big passion of mine is I feel like because the church is not involved in justice, the church is telling the world that God doesn't really care about justice, that being Christian, that's not really optional. That, that's really very optional. Um, and so there's an old saying in evangelism that you win them to what you win them with. Right? If your evangelistic methods exclude justice, you'll be telling people that following Jesus doesn't really, like justice doesn't really matter. Um, so that's why, at least for me, at least, and I think in our context, and this kind of um, goes to, to your question. Um, sorry, I'm very old <laughs> and stiff. Um, uh, and that's that even though we might be political neophytes or in any of these areas we might be like young and naive and not really sure about stuff, to step in with humility and to say, hey, we're, we're in this because our faith motivates us. Um, not everybody might agree with us, but there's a lot we can agree on. Like we just did, um, we just did environmental justice for Lent. Um, and we can disagree on a lot of stuff in the environment, but we can all agree that God made this world said it was really good, really cares about it, and gave us as believers to a mandate to care for the world, right? 
We can all agree on that. And so for us to step into the political arena in Berkeley, um, that really has enhanced our witness. A lot of people have said to us, like, oh, I didn't know Christians cared about this. They would, cons- they, 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 Jesus was glorified in our doing that. We even, in our small groups, in all of our small groups, we even, because uh, we realized it'd be very hard to do political advocacy now in this, so instead we did corporate advocacy. And we all looked at one sort of place that we shopped that we wish would be more green in some way. Right? So my life, so I emailed um, Trader Joe's. And I wrote, Dear Trader Joe's, I really love Trader Joe's. When I lived in Costa Rica, I made all of our guests come bring your, your, um, your salad dressing because it was so great. Uh, I always shop there. But I never buy your produce because you use so much plastic and foam and all that stuff. Could you please stop doing that because I really care about the world and I really want to buy your, your, your fruit, so please stop that. And a bunch of us sent that out. And they got like, I don't know, 40 emails along these lines. Uh, have they changed? Not yet, I don't think. You know? But we all got emails back. And, that's, and that's, that's like political advocacy. That's like using your voice to really make a difference. And, um, and you know, the oldest form of political advocacy uh, in the book, which goes all the way back to those British abolitionists um, who boycotted sugar, which was made by slave labor on Caribbean islands, uh, is the boycott. We can come together and say, like, hey, we're going to shop at these places and not these places because that's a, you know, that's a reflection. Um, and so I think all of those things um, are a witness. They sp- and, and actually, even just in terms of evangelism strategy, that's a cool way to spark con- you know, conversation. Like, I'm at some, like, ultra-liberal, like, you know, like you, saw, you saw our pictures, like, you know, no hate or whatever our sign said. Like, I can get behind that as Christians. No hate, Okay. You know, love your neighbor. All right, that's all good. So we're out there with, like, the Antifa people and, like, the super crazy sort of Berkeley people. And we have our little sign in our Church Without Walls shirt. And, um, like, I remember uh, after, I can't remember which one, but after one black man was killed by the police, um, we went on a march. We felt like God was calling us to go out there. And I remember I... um, I actually went out in my black suit and my clerical collar. So I'm like marching around, even though like I felt like I was in a Halloween costume. It's kind of ridiculous, right? But um, a number of people looked at me and they were like surprised. And one guy even said like, hey man, are you really a priest? <laughs> and I just said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, whoa man, I didn't know you guys cared. And he gave me a big hug. That's evangelism. So it's not always going to be that positive. But, you know, <laughs> the, the cross of Christ is a stumbling block, right? But, but let's, uh, let's make it our, a stumbling block because we're stepping out for justice and not because we're silent and checked out. Yeah, I think to that point, like, um, at least in the place that I work, there's a lot of talk about justice. Yeah. And, but, Where do you work? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Christians are not welcome. Sure. Either. Sure. And, but I think that the interesting thing is that there are so many people that you can care about justice and not be Christian. Right. And the fact that we don't have a voice, the fact that, like you said, that do Christians even care about these things? We're too even scared to even talk to the fact that Christians care about these right. things. Right. If we stay silent, then it almost seems like that the world feels like that they're the ones who kind of. Exactly. Right. And not for Christians. Yeah. And so I've really struggled with that mm-hmm. because. I think there's a lot of like potential, you know, just other things that could happen if you out yourself as a Christian. But right. at the same time, it's like they need to know that Christians care, and that that's that's actually what is kind of behind faith, and that's actually God gave them that sense to care. Right. They just don't realize that that's where it came from. That's very well said. Yeah. And so I just. So I think that that's something that I that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Something that I feel like that God has been trying to convict me to be more yeah. bold about that. Because if we don't, then it's like the Christians have no voice, and exactly. it's like how to how are we different than the world? Yeah. So I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I love that because um, a lot of people dislike Christians for good justified reasons. Their critiques of the church are accurate. We have fallen short, right? And and where that's the case, like you can't really blame them. It's not like we're like we're just the martyrs, and they're just like we're we're pure and perfect, and they're uh, they're just marginalizing us because they're bad unbelievers. Um, there are ways in which they have valid critiques of us. There are also ways in which they 
reject the foolishness of the cross, you know, and they, they, you know what I mean? They, they stand against us because they don't believe the gospel or they persecute us or whatever. Like both of those things are true and it's a really interesting mix. Um, but I think that as we wisely and humbly get involved in politics, that will help some ways that our witness has fallen short and that people are rejecting faith, um, sometimes for justified reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because um, in my own personal experience, I think a lot of the, the convictions I've had towards justice have often come from non-Christian spaces yeah. or non-Christian voices. Mm-hmm. And I think like the fact that I was able to reconcile that with what Jesus says in his ministry has strengthened my faith, but I know that that's not true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but the fact that those convictions came from somewhere outside of where I usually worship, where right. I usually um, grow in my faith, made me realize that like it is actually worth it to like, like you know, to humble myself mm-hmm. and to listen to other voices because God is just or God is working through them too, right? Um, mm-hmm. And God is able to work through them, right? Even if it's not explicitly um, or on the surface, like. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and sometimes Christians have advocated certain spaces for for not good reasons. And I think the environment is one important example of that, right? Because if you really look deeply at Genesis 1 and God's just love for the the things that he made um, and the call for us to participate in that, like Christians should be like the best environmentalists out there. We might have different motivations. There are certainly the sort of radical, deep ecology people who don't, you know, who see it differently than we do and are going to approach things differently. But for us to come into that space, there's so much agreement, even if it's from a different theological motivation or religious background, that I think there's a lot of um, of ways that we can partner with other people or even learn. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, I... I, the moment passed. It was two topics ago. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I did notice you. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I will say this. Yeah, okay. You know, I was really touched by what you said. Sometimes yeah. the goal is not reachable in your lifetime. Yes, so you're precisely. You're discouraged by that. Yeah, that's about, right. You just have grace, not about the goal. That's what I was thinking in my heart. And I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah, that's right. And my measure of grace is going to dictate how far I go with this. That's right. I think you have the different kind of faith. When it comes to political activism, I think you're right. Like a lot of times you're not going to see wins or a little bit years away. And that's why some people do prefer the like personal because it's like, I, I might not win, but like I talked, we had this conversation, we had a connection. I know I impacted you. I feel good. You know, it's, it's, it's like there is something to that. Um, but I think there's something to the faith of like thinking big too and that God calls us into those things. Uh, as well, even though it's less immediate. Yeah, for sure. Um, Quest, did you have anything you wanted to share about sort of like stuff that's brewing with you guys? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I just did, so sorry. <laughs> I, did it. I did it. I did it. I'm just wondering if you would jump in. Yeah, so I think one thing that the young adult home group uh, has been kind of wrestling with uh, lately is you know, our CLC mission statement um, and shared want to be a people transformed by the words who love God, love others, and serve the world. Um, and I think so far in the history of our home group, we've kind of focused on the first half, which is um, you know, more focused on ourselves and maybe inward focus, but really I think as we transition to a new season, we're really looking for ways to now be more active in our faith um, and look for ways to actually serve the world, because that is part of So actually, uh, I think this last Thursday, I wasn't there, but we, uh, we're starting this new kind of series where we want to look uh, and actually plan and take like strategic steps towards uh, doing something active and brainstorming as a group uh, to be able to do that. And you know, first that starts with figuring out what people care about, and then finding some structure or support system to empower them to like move down that path. Yeah. And it's just the beginning, but um, 
you know, I think we're all pretty excited. Yeah. 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 And this is like, we didn't know today was going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. it's definitely like God working in our faith. Yeah, so something's definitely brewing around here. And I'm wondering if we couldn't close and just take the last five minutes or so. I'm wondering if, if others of you would want to jump in and just maybe name some grace you think is bubbling up in this church. You know what I mean? Like, is, like are there, is it a cause or is it an issue or is it, um, is it one of those four things? And you could, I mean, you don't have to speak for the whole church, but maybe for you and a little subset of people, you just wonder whether, um, and you know, not even, like, this is a kind of discerning time. You know, maybe you say something and, oh, nothing ever comes of it. I think it's just good to, if you sense like, hey, where's the grace? It's good to just practice trying to do that. Um, so where do you think grace might be bubbling up in subsections of CLC around justice? I'm, I haven't been around here very long, but our home group um, and many that I talk to have older kids Yeah, right, right. Well, that was a revelation. <laughs> yeah, right. And I thought, oh, you know, just like um, Airbnb or Uber, we start a little seed. Yeah. Because there's definitely technique here. And, yeah. But you have a heart. I had a heart for this. Right. Because these kids could be from poor countries or what have you. Sure. Um, Cambodia, whatever. And they got a wonderful education, but they're homeless. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes, well, what's out there? How can we develop it? it and if it is, even go beyond the church, we just facilitate it. Right. To whether they know it's a Christian organization, but not Christians are jumping in to help. Right. Because right. I think it's a, a topic that would it hit my heart hard. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're talking about, grace. Yeah, that is great. That's a perfect but example. Thanks. Also, yeah. this congregation Thank you so much. How about uh, diversity and trying to be more inclusive to those different colors, like ethnic groups? Not only that, but homosexuals, heterosexuals. I know I'm on a controversial topic, but uh, you know, people who are a lot different than us, uh -huh. who look different than us, who have different lifestyle, even if we don't approve of their lifestyle. You know, yeah. I, I don't approve of gay marriage, for example. Yeah. I have a hard time dealing with that issue because it's in the Bible and whatnot. But um, how do you address that? I mean, people who uh, want to have freedom, equality, but yet they don't believe in what all the Bible says about yeah. those things. How do you deal with that? Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So, so Gary, there, there's been a, like a, a recent grace that I can share. It, it kind of sounds similar to Quest's story. Um, uh, so last Tuesday, um, as we met for our staff meeting, we, we, we did a little bit of, uh, once a month we get together and we just talk about vision for the church. Yeah, yeah. So, on, so on this Tuesday, we put up on the board like our four main programs, right? So it's like um, Sunday morning worship. Yeah. And uh, 
family ministries, mm-hmm. and uh, home groups and small groups, and then relational mentoring, put them all, and then, and we kind of cross-sectioned it with our, our tri-fold vision of love God, yeah. love people, serve the world. Yeah. Right? And so we're like, okay, let's rank how we're fulfilling these purposes with each of these programs. Yeah. It's very interesting exercise because like one, two, three, one, two, three, and serve the world came out last in pretty much every one. Yeah. We're all looking at this like, okay, <laughs> what's wrong with this? Right, right. right. You know, and it's talking about this ain't right, and uh, and it, it it all it just kind of resonated like, yeah, okay, let's realize what is, and let's start prayerfully discerning how we can make some changes. Yeah. In this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very timely. Con- and we know you want to talk about this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so I feel like it's just a good conversation we're having. Yeah. It sounds like God's at work. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to end here, obviously, give you the last word, but. Just to, just to encourage, now I guess I'm taking the last word, um, but just to encourage, continue, these kind of dreaming conversations, these kind of searching for grace, because you never know what will come out of them. And there'll be leadership conversations, and there'll be home group conversations, and just friends talking, and new people in the church chiming in, and you never know what will happen. And even just personally, like, that's how it happened for me. Like, I just had this idea about buying an apartment complex. I had never bought anything worth more than a $9,000 used car in my life. So I went to my friend who graduated from Haas, who's amazing, and I'm like, dude, could we do this? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, really? I mean, that's it? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So I just emailed my friends, and we wound up doing it, you know, and, and now we're going to buy another building. So that's just on a very personal level, and it's not, I mean, I'm a professor, a pastor, I don't know anything about business, but uh, well, it's, it's a way of doing justice that happens just because we dreamed and followed the grace. So I'd encourage you, I just, just want to, again, affirm and appreciate the time you've taken today and just encourage you to keep doing it. And, uh, and then do tell me about it because it's very exciting. So Thank you, Gary. Enjoy Thank your... You. That's it. Can I, can I just pray for us and dismiss us into our... our can I do that? Um, Uh, Dear Father, we continue to give you our hearts. We continue to acknowledge Jesus as the captain of the church universal, but certainly the captain of the local church too. Have your way with us. Have your way with our small groups. Have your way uh, with our hearts. Have your way with our church and, and her vision and all the members. And I just pray that as we dream and plan, we'd be dreaming and uh, with your dreams and your strength and your passion. And I just pray that you would give to us more of that future that's of that divine life, of that restoration for this planet and for all the good things that you are doing. Help us to follow right behind you, Lord, and have your way with our conversation and our hearts. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.